Cradaline Network. episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast for two Americans trying to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for June and July 1991, progs 736 to 739. This time, Dread fights some mutants, Friday fights for breath, Indigo <laughs> Prime follows the time train, uh, Below Zero flounders in bodyguard work, and Big, ba- Big Spartan finds love. Or does he? Well, he certainly falls in love. Whoa! Hold on to that one since our talk. Definitely. And if you want to read along with us from the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, the complete case files 16, we're on to a new case files, Indigo Prime Killing Time, and the Judge Dredd Magazine 298. Good Lord. Good Lord, this anthology. There is so much in here. Definitely. Yeah, you know, we were saying very varied month, a lot of, lot of backs and forths here. So let's get started with uh, maybe some, some traditional stuff mm. with... Thrill One, Judge Dredd. Nothing eases me into a comic book again uh, more than, I guess, just jackbooted thuggery and murder. Always, yeah. It really made Definitely. me feel very bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Script about Garth Ennis, Art Robots, Colin McNeil, Brian Williamson, John Burns, Cliff Robinson, and Gina Hart. Lighting Robot, Tom Frame. My boy. Yep. So after a uh, a couple, so we 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 we've had a couple like extended stories on on Dread Fox, but oh, yeah. now we're sort of just getting into, into some one off ones here. It feels so great. It's nice and breezy. Definitely, yeah, absolutely. So Colin McNeil starts us off fresh off of America over in the magazine. Um, at the Seb Co. Sports Complex, named for Sebastian Co., the uh, British track and field runner. And it's been taken over by some no-good mutants. Ooh, uh, shake oh, my fist. God, they're shooting up all these weightlifters. They're uh, trying to get into the city. I feel like it's like coming in murdering is probably not the best idea, but, you know, do what you got to Yeah, I suppose. You know, the... Their, their plans aren't well thought out, but that's how it goes sometimes, I guess. Um, luckily, Dredd's on the scene, prepares to make his presence felt, his presence felt, takes out a bunch of mutants, including one that's a very lilac-colored rogue trooper, if you ask oh, me. no, I mean, it's exactly look. that. I feel like, I felt like they were kind of taking the, the piss out of it, because they just shoot him in the head real quick. Yeah, takes him out with the bike cannon, pulls out a very oozy-looking lawgiver and takes out more. He's shooting dudes through walls and just killing these mutants left and right. I, so the whole when, thing is is prefaced on the fact that it's like, hey, there was this thing that happened. It took three minutes for all of it to just, like, be contained. Uh, here's what yeah. happened in that three minutes, and it's literally just wall-to-wall murder. Yeah, just dread slaughtering. But yeah, sorry, I don't have a ton of details of it because you just kind of got to imagine images of dread shooting indiscriminately, and then just mutant guys being like, "Ah, oh, big shots!" I'm getting shot. Also, the gore is really upticked, like noticeably. I mean, th- this, 
This is very, I mean, this is what, what, what we expect from Colin McNeil, right? He's the guy who did like Song of the Surfer mm. and stuff like that. So this is funny because this is him doing his, like, he, he, we know he can do blood and guts to be very affecting and emotional and kind of showing the bad sides of it. But this is very much him going the opposite direction as being like, yeah, listen, we're going to do some shit and kill <laughs> these dudes. Blood explodes out of bodies and let me just spray yeah. it all over the page. It's 1991, baby! Oh, yeah! (laughs) So, but there is one mutant bruiser who's so tough that bullets won't scratch him. Oh, my God. So instead, Dredd gets tricky. He drives to the top of a diving board, the swimming pool they're at, I guess, sets his his lawmaster on auto, and then power boosts it right off that diving board into this guy's chest, taking him out. The other judges show up, admire his handiwork, and Dredd hands the hands the paperwork oh. off to them. I like and I love it ends with a shot of just the back wheel of his of his motorcycle just sticking out of this dude's she chest. Got this guy's chest. It's pretty solid. It's yeah. So gross. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So uh Brian Williams takes over on art as a mutant has infl- another mutant has infiltrated Mega City One in the middle of the Grizzly Adams block, but he can get away with it because this mutant looks like a cuddly teddy bear. Do you get it? Because uh Grizzly Adams bear friend. A heavily Yep, a heavily armed cuddly teddy bear. I mean still, listen, you know. He's been forced to do some tea parties against his Will Fox, but no more. No one no <laughs> one wants to go to a tea party. I mean, it's a lot of just people yelling at someone on a stage. Oh, I think a kid Oh my god. The politics. <laughs> the the eight years ago politics, Fox. That's nice. So you gotta get very, heavily very... armed and, and have uh, bloodshot teddy bear eyes. Very retro. Got that hat with all the tea bags on it. I love it. Oh um, my god! Oh, I forgot about that. Never forget, buddy. Never forget. <laughs> nine, never forget two thousand nine. <laughs> among other years. Oh, so fantastic! But so the the mutant blows up this kid's dollies. Dreads driving by and sees the explosion. The parents of the kid with the blowed up stuff yell at the Teddy, and he just responds by punching the dad the junk as you do. I mean, just Dredd like that Teddy is not gonna work when a when a Teddy has like a fucking military assault rifle <laughs> that's bigger than he is. Yeah, where does he keep it? You know, um, Dread arrives on the bear's floor. We learn that bullets just pass through it. He's all made of all stuffing. He's got like a distributed nervous system or something like that. I guess. Oof. So instead, Dredd just shoots him with an incendiary bullet, and that seems to work much better. Burning to death, the teddy jumps off the side of the railing, and his smoldering body falls into the middle of the Mega City motorway, <laughs> where he gets smashed and gets stuck in the front bumper of a tractor trailer. <clears throat> Very much the end of Toy Story 3 going on here at the end of this story. So I feel like I feel like this is a thing that, like, mo- like it- so this was a thing... I feel like during our time where first A, just random stuff would get caught in in kind of the, the front radiator of a of a truck. Or sure. if you recall this, when people or truckers used to tie them to it. Yeah, I think I think they still do that to an extent, especially if you're like an independent trucker. So you don't have to have like uh, no one's going to call oh, you yeah, in or true. something. Like, so I just think it's so like no one gets that. I, like I feel like us, like me seeing this, I was like, "Oh shit, yeah!" I remember seeing that that stuff when I was a kid. Yeah. Or like that was like a a common joke or something. Like it was well, just like a yeah. Hey, well, I, I think that makes I think 
I think that makes perfect sense because you've got to remember, buddy. This comic was put out when you were when you were just a kid. This was at the height of your consciousness. Okay, when you were a tiny man in 1991, (laughs) you know, (laughs) full of organs and definitely nothing else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we were freshly manufactured, you know, still that new fox smell. Yeah, absolutely. However, it is that uh, you know humans have smells uh, that they are uh, learning things normally. That's right. Yeah, these days I got to hang a freaking one of those pine trees around my neck. So John Burns <laughs> makes his debut in 2018 with his next comic. He'll go into a ton of stuff in the prog. Real including, gross. Yeah, including the uh, Nikolai Dante story, which I'm very excited about. But it's the Garbage Road Show. I love this um, because I used to have to watch the Antique Road Show with my grandma. And I, I love that Antiques Roadshow, buddy. An, Actually, I'm honest, I love Antiques Roadshow, and it. I, there was a. I feel old when I watch it. Oh yeah, there was a big thing. Actually, I, I remember maybe I want to say like maybe two years ago, mm. as as this episode's coming out, that was um, someone went to the Antiques Roadshow with a big binder that was um um of of work and concept stuff and and sketches that was from uh, John Hinklinton. Whoa, the, really? Um, the artist, yeah, and it had a bunch of like dread stuff and other things like that. Um, and it got valued at like at like fifty thousand pounds or something because just all damn. this original artwork and stuff by this sort of uh, uh, departed artist. You I, know, I love how many random people, or if not the presenter, where they're just like, "Oh no, I like I'm a specialist. I know my shit. This is valued at this." Like they, the Antiques Roadshow is definitely doesn't fuck around, man. They know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah, my favorite thing is just when you see – is when someone brings something in and you've watched enough Antique Roadshow to know that while this might be precious to you, it was actually like mass-produced in the 1930s, so you know it's worth nothing. Yeah, you know? you're like, that's, like, that's just a silly pirate pop gun, bud. Or like, or like, oh, yes, that one specific picture of Jesus from like 1905 or something like that. It's just, <laughs> there's a thousand, there's like, there's like 10 million of them, you know, or something. I it think was, that's always a fun antique road I, well, show I, thing. And it's, it's varied, man. Sometimes you see it's like, holy shit, this is a, like, let's look at this table. It's got this guy's mark on it. They were from Russia. They don't exist anymore. All of the, the entire family line and how they did this died. You're like, holy shit. They found yeah. that in their and fucking, like, oh, this is a- in their in their garage in Alabama. What? Totally. But sometimes it's like, oh yes, this was a copy of that table that Sears made in 1912 oh, or my something God. like that. You know, uh, works both good. ways. It's so good. <laughs> But so we're in the Yapper Yudson block. I couldn't find a, a translation for that block or, or who that's supposed to be. Happy to hear it. But um, we're looking at Dave and Maeve scratch piles, nonstick saucepan. And it's a great <laughs> find worth 50,000 credits. Nonstick. And they're just like, look at how it's bolted onto the sides. Definitely, yeah. And once, but once that's announced on the show, they're both shot in the head three times, and it's stolen by no good crook, crooks. Man, they really keep that same image of them having the goo. Oh yeah, no, pretty goo. graphically. They do, however, I do appreciate the criminal like shooting them three times in the head with just three bullets, sort of three stooges style. You know, oh, you kind yeah. of <laughs> shoot one, it goes through the next one. They call oh. it the old yuck yuck yuck. 
Exactly. The judges investigate and learn about this saucepan. And just generally, we, we talk a little bit about how old stuff is generally expensive in uh, 2018. Yep. I'm remembering back in like the judge child days where there was that guy, Fillmore Farrow, who was rich just because he, he owned a huge mass of like 20th century junk, basically. I love it. And they still just call it garbage. <laughs> oh, yeah. It hasn't it hasn't lost a name, lost its name because it's 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 now expensive. That they just redefined what's what, you know. The expensive um, garbage. Yeah. But so how did the killer get this address? They couldn't even know. Like they killed them during the episode, so it's not like someone saw the episode and then decided to cash in or something. Hmm, must be inside gore. There's actually I want to go back to the Antiques Roadshow for just a second because I sure. read a really interesting article about that basically talked about like how they actually pr- provide like security and stuff if you find out that like you've got something that's worth like a million dollars. They actually basically. are just like, we will make sure that you don't get shot. Like, yeah, let's just kind of keep somebody from getting real from, – from getting froggy on your way back home yeah, no with doubt. this million dollar bureau or something, you know. Um, but anyway – yeah, so how did the killer get the address? Um, Dredd um, goes to the TV studio where the show is made. It's clear that the records are, in fact, pretty open, sadly. No real leads here. But this gives Dredd a plan. Later that day, he arrests a guy with an antique trash bin who's coming into the studio and takes him away. <laughs> and then later, some crooks get a message about a guy with that valuable trash bin or dust bin, as they call it here. It's a very British thing. And go to steal it. But when they arrive and go to take it... Inside the trash can, it's Judge Dredd! Whoa, I'm here, buddy. <laughs> yeah, what's up? Yeah, they pull their guns, but get shot in the face for their trouble. And a, a radio call they got gets traced back to the TV show producer. And he was feeding them the info. So now he's off to the cubes. Because in the end, his business was just garbage disposal. I mean, I'll be honest. The thing that I remember most from this is that like as Dred's leading him away, so his hands are behind his back, but he, they put like a, a neck lock on him with a chain, so he's just leading him. Like, <laughs> I'm like, jeezy, Pete's. I don't know. Like, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen them do any kind of like neck leads. Uh, real, real. Uh, you know, Dred's a little kinky sometimes. Hey man. Maybe he's just he's, yeah. Listen. Maybe, maybe he's an Remember the other freak. the other episode where he had arrested that um that big mutant guy and he had him on like a nose a, a nose oh, chain or something oh, like that. Oh god, that one. Well, okay, that uh, uh, that feels that feels like it would actually. I'd pay very much attention to not slacking. Definitely. Yeah. Well, you got to be careful. You know that's why you don't. Uh, that's why you don't mess with the law, buddy. We all know this. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, Cliff Robinson and Gina Hart are are bat are, are on art here as Dredd intervenes in a jetpack mugging, one of the worst kinds of muggings. Oh, he pun- he punches one out and shoots the other, making that guy explode. And we see this all on TV as a trio of moral scolds look on. I love how so there's a lot of face detail in this, but they they make sure to kind of put the the droopy like wrinkles. All over the very upset people as you're watching, and you're like, oh, yes. oh God, it's gonna have this, this whole like, hey, we're we're the Democratic League feel to it. Man, the turn yeah. here is just so perfect. <laughs> I'm pretty sure one of them is uh, Mary Whitehouse, and um, who you know, old school anti comics crusader and stuff like that. 
I mean, good for them for doing that then. Yeah, I've done some research search and stuff, and I think a lot of this is sort of a reference to this one British show that was host. It was hosted by um, Anne Robinson, the lady that that would later be on The Weakest Link and stuff like that. Oh, cool! But the show that's fine. But the show was basically just people writing like letters to the editor, but it it was to like a TV station, sort of saying that things what they like or what they don't like, and then they had sort of BBC voiceover people just kind of like read the letters out, essentially. Whoa. Okay. And so a lot of what these people are saying, like, oh, disgusting, appalling, an abomination, (laughs) that kind of stuff. Very, is pretty very, similar. Like, uh, very much pinning it to that specific group, right? Yeah, yeah. Very much is sort of like, oh, look at these like scolds that like can't, um, can't enjoy art, that, man. Yeah, that, that that like hate everything and are sort of like you know real stick in the muds and stuff like that. Hmm. Everything that so, isn't um, leave it to Beaver needs to go. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I do like to imagine that these characters are the the a later version of previous appearances by Mary Whitehouse. Like uh, earlier, we had like Marjorie Blackshack appear in, the, in this Exo Men story back in Prague One Eleven. Like to feel like she's sort of moved on to this as time's gone by. But um, Dread calls in the arrest. He notices a camera drone flying by, um, and back at the theater. Um, like this MC kind of guy decries dread, Dread's brutality as the audience, not listening to him, instead cheers it on. <laughs> this was my favorite part. Everyone that's in the audience is like, this is so awesome. Yeah, this is a – it's a meeting of the Citizen Watchdog Committee and they're trying to expose Dread's like violence and brutality. But the crowd just wants to see him kick the shit out of people, you know, as we in fact see him kick the shit out of everybody at a barroom brawl. Uh, excuse me, it's a barroom blitz. Thank you very much. I didn't hear a man in the back say everyone attack, Fox, so it's not officially a barroom blitz. <sighs> Shit. I'm sorry, man. Really let everybody That's down. right. That's right. Girl in the corner said, you gotta make this official. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, Tech Division is tracking the camera drone, and Dredd sees the watchdog meeting and figures it all out. He bursts in and asks if they have a license to distribute the uh, the vi- these videos that they're showing. Oh God, that's right! And everyone's like, "Hell no, they don't." <laughs> <laughs> well, there's some there's some legal questioning because the MC basically says that they've got fair use because they aren't showing these dread vids for entertainment. They're showing it for oh, political purposes. But actually, but then the people that are watching no, it are like, "We're watching this for entertainment, buddy." Like, yeah, that's man, what the no, we're says. not the judges here. We're just uh, we're just the people enjoying. The show. <laughs> yeah, they like the punching. Um, and so in the end, he ends up arresting all of the uh, all the folks on the podium as a random citizens cheer. And one asks if Dreads, if this is the forerunner to Dread getting a regular TV show and stuff like I, that. I feel like there was a missed opportunity here to be like, hmm, like justice could just like fucking put this shit on and and you know subdue masses that way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, listen, I feel like people watch these shows, man. They're fun. Cops exist uh, for a horrible reason. Anyway, speaking of making new friends in strange places, Fox, which I know you're a, a, about to be dealing oh with, my. in freezing cold places, I'm going to assume. Uh, what England's actually, like. you know what? Just rainy. Just rainy. It could be cold and rainy. We go to Thrill 2 Rogue Trooper. I mean, we're gills deep in this deep water. 
Oh, shit. Script robot Michael That's... Fleischer, art robot Simon Colby and Gina Hart, lighting robot Alita Fell. I, I can't make that joke twice. I am so sorry. It's fine. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> so Friday's helping some partisans in the Sahara Ice Belt against these weird evil tech bros. They're trying to, like, take <laughs> out their vehicle. They're wearing – Yeah. They're wearing flannel. They've got them tucked into their jeans. They're uh, they're talking about their new app. These people are not interesting. No, come on, listen. They've got they they've got you know they're gonna once again like try to crowdsource something that's gonna create a crowdsource version of things that already exist. You know, well, we gotta like, crowdsource our crowdsourcing so that we can index uh, crowdsourcing for crowdsourcing potential. Look, it's like we've got a fleet of vehicles and they run on a set route and you can just kind of hop on and pay a small fee when you get on on the vehicle and then you can get off at specific stops and stuff. I mean, hey, listen, like we have these special waves that control where you can shoot the cannons and uh, we really don't anticipate uh, the Blue Man Group being able to use psychic waves to uh, disrupt those things. So just like, you know, shoot it well. I'm just saying that that buses are like crabs, and that things will naturally evolve into them, uh, peri- like periodically. It's one of the set set states. You'll you'll invent the bus a couple times in the course of your of your work. But anyway, oh my uh, God. yeah. So there's so the 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 cool dudes are trying to take out the evil dudes, and they're trying to do it by blowing up an ice bridge that their vehicles are on, but the bombs won't go off. Luckily, Friday has special goggles that let them see what's going on, and they're sending out these frequency transmissions. Jam the gen- detonator, so Friday sends out some frequencies of his own, which take control of the enemy vehicles and let them shoot their allies and send them to their deaths in the end. I, I love that. I love that how you counter something that is wave based is you doing something that is circu- circular based, like emanating circular. I love mm. that. I love the mm. wom, 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 kind of look. Uh, emanations versus oh, emanation, waves. Excuse me. I don't know. Back at the dome base of the baddies, which I'm designating as Evil Base 2, yep. we see the Dr. Claw boss yelling at a dude with a tech monocle who seems to be the brains behind the gill experiments that they're doing. Because I guess the gills will let people live in the weird environment that the dome is sending out there. When you gotta, uh, you got to unequip and then be able to re-equip them on your soldiers in your RPG, you know? That's right. Yeah, I got my neck slot. Back at the partisan base... <laughs> The domers keep coming, hounding our new friends, seemingly for no real reason. People are starting to blame Friday for their recent runs of bad luck. And that night at camp, Friday takes watch and punches out an intruder. But it's one of their buddies from a previous partisan base. He found them by tracking a signal that the domers were using, a signal that led him right back to Friday. For his apparent treachery, Friday has been tied to rocks in an ice cavern to await the coming dawn, which will call the razor-sharp ice dams on the roof of this place to impale him and his goon buddy to death. Be careful about ice dams, Fox. Watch this VHS tape about them. <laughs> um, that's the best the worst joke. This, Thank have you, very you much. seen this child? Well, I was more. Do you remember there was that best the worst video no, that's, about that's ice dams? No, that's the one where it's just like he oh, has yeah. he has a random kid. Like, no ice dams, man. You got to worry about them. Uh, it's Be informative careful. to know that uh, you know water it fills up your uh, gutters, uh, water shoots. And yeah, you get these, 
yeah, go, and you get these giant icicles. So anyway, luckily one of these icicles, the first icicle to fall goes right smashing into his wrist. Luckily. Which loosens the wrappings around Friday's arms and allows him to escape. Oh, uh, but God. there's not a lot of time. I mean, he so, seems but, fucking fine after it, so... Yeah, he's it's a, it's a minor injury for him. There isn't Ugh. enough time to dodge all the icicles falling. Luckily, he's got some kind of time stop watch that holds oh, the ice in place yeah. long enough for him to free himself and his buddy. And so they've got to get their gear back and figure out how he's being tracked. Thereby generating a powerful but only temporarily matter repulsion field. That, Exclamation point. Um, a temp- temporarily... Doing a matter repulsion field. That is just a time stop watch. Even more than official rogue, Friday's got just full on making up powers as he goes kind of situation here. Okay, so it's Mach 1. God. A little bit. Back at the evil base, folks are getting re- very tired of all this rogue trooper stuff, so they have a stalker fueled up. Whoa, I don't know what that is. Back at the partisan base, they're messing around with Friday's gear when the man himself shows up and reclaims his stuff. He uses his magic box and finds out that he's got a tracking agent that was injected into his bloodstream when he was in that glass cage of emotion back during the last oh, story. Oh, that's right. He has a special box that just tells him information. He fixes it right away, which is fine, I guess, but there's still time for... Well, no, he... Listen, he has the plot device, a plot box, um, and Mm. then was able to get out a plot syringe and inject it into himself, which then stops the previous plot from happening, and it's fine because of the next thing you're going to say. Yeah, it's like how the... um, I don't actually know. I was going to make a uh, make a COVID vaccine joke, Foxer, but I decided it's not in good taste. No, well, um, well, okay. You're all good. He fixed it right away, which works out. But luckily, I guess there was still tracking time for this crazy flying gun dragon that's coming after him to home in on him. And now it attacks. Oh, that's right. It is a homing dragon. I mean, it was, but now he's taken the homing device. But now it's got a, a visual lock on him, I guess. Well, no, so, I mean, the, fr- the thing that's chasing them is literally a homing dragon. It's just got jet oh, engines yeah. instead of, like, fucking flappy dudes. Yeah, definitely a flying a flying gun dragon here. Friday and his buddy, I'm getting increasingly pissed off about that we don't know the name of, are on the run from oh, this I gun dragon. I just call him Shades in my mind because he always, he's okay, always wearing yeah. cool sunglasses and a big, like, shoulder pad. That's fair. Yeah, bullets aren't doing much to the jet dragon, and it can swat away explosives. The boys run into a cave, and Friday decides it's time to really fight back. He, I guess he realizes that the dragon is just kind of a, dro- a robot Listen. and not piloted or something. Yes. And so he shoots a canister into oh. its its exhaust port, and that makes it explode. Is he just, that he just, what- Sorry, please. For a second, he couldn't beat it, Fox, and then he decided it was time to beat it, and then he beat it, basically, is what I'm trying to say here. He's like, God, explosions won't work. And then what he does is that he shoots an explosion into his exhaust port, and then it explodes. that's it. And I'm like, but explosions did beat it, Rogue Trooper. Explosions did beat it. Why did you wait this long? Why did you have to have Ice Cave once you were backed in a corner? You know, he's got that Voltron thing, man. He can't deploy the sword right away. He's got a toy with his prey for a little bit first. Oh, my God. So, really? He's just secretly the bad guy because that's secretly Voltron is the bad guy. Fight with his lions a little bit. Oh, yeah. It's a whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Silverhawks. 
Voltron, anytime you have to assemble a droid based on several people, you know it is likely just, I mean, they're just the goons for the evil guy that made the Voltron. Yeah, definitely. Look at my Cartoon Network reboot of various cartoon shows, Fox. It's time. Um, so anyway, Friday, Friday's tired, hired to run, and let's take the war to the dome. And back at that dome, it looks like these gill, gill implants have finally started working. And everybody's real tired of messing around with Friday, so let's just get serious. I mean, but everyone seems really stoked about not dying from death breath. Like, they're like, oh my well, god, yeah, we're man. not suffocating. You know, everything Definitely. seems fun. Once it works, they begin a project platform, which will cover the continent in these weird murder plants. And that means that everybody will have to buy these gills from these guys to survive. You know, it's one of these, it's a Hegelian dialectic, buddy. You got to create a problem and then sell the solution to that problem. I mean, I'm not saying that that's a good thing, but I am saying it's probably better than ice. Like it I'm looks saying, warm so- there. Yeah, I'm saying, sounds familiar, by super male vitality. Mm. Um, on, the, <laughs> on the edge of the well, dome. No soy. Soy on the edge of the dome, Friday and Shades contemplate their next move when a geyser, when, sorry, when geysers start going off all around them, birthing this deadly plant life. It's growing fast and coming right for them. They're trapped. Oh, Just got to shoot some geysers off while my plant vines get out of here. Live it up. Friday has a plan, and they're running through it. He grabs a dealie from his pouches and uses it, of course, creating an instant unbreakable dome around him in shades. Can I, can I, so I need to say this now. This does feel like, I mean, we've all been in pretend situations as children where we're like, let's do a pretend. Yeah, this is some, this This, is some five-year-old ass shit. This this is like a, yeah, but I've got a fucking dome. And they're like, okay, but then you can't get out of the dome. It's like, well, no, the dome's actually like this magic fucking whatever. And I just like, this whole thing, I was just like. Yeah. I was very like, upset because I remembered what I felt like when I was, you know, seven. Like, that that kid wasn't smart and probably, you know, no yeah, kid likes listen, to be told I've got the protective super thing that makes me invulnerable. They're in the dome. The dome is unbreakable. It can filter air so you won't run out of air. Friday can push through the dome and he's fine. It doesn't hurt him. The uh. dome stays intact. And I guess you can come back in later, so whatever. It's black, so it's real cool. Um, anyway, <laughs> Friday runs around. He's toasting this jungle with his hand flamer, but then gets all wonky because it seems like it's not just poison gas out there, but poison mutagens, which are the worst kind of mutagens. And they're killing him too, oh no. But he manages to find an oxygen container, a nearby vehicle. And, and he finds get, the and- secret of the ooze? Well, he gasses back up, Fox, because oxygen gas. You see what I'm saying here? I thought that was a pretty funny joke. (laughs) And arrives at the dome. (laughs) He approaches the entrance and goes into an airlock, but the baddies are waiting for him and sort of lock him in the middle of the the airlock, and things look bad. Next time on Friday, sardines. God. Uh, eh. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Thrill three, mean machine. Oh man, but this fine. So I feel like this whole comic, Conrad, has just been trying to get to one like set of like two to three page jokes. <laughs> if that makes any sense, it really. I, mean, I think it really feels like it's just been waiting to get three people together to make marginally funny Three Stooges jokes. 
I think some of the time travel stuff was pretty good last episode, oh, no. for the record. All of it was fine. I just feel like... But yeah, no, there is a little side joke in Sorry. here that I feel like is just for Richard Dolan that he's definitely been working on this whole series. Uh, the punchline was weird. I mean, I'm, I'm loving yeah. this. I, you know me. Totally. I love me some yeah. machine. Anyway... So Judge Dredd gets a call. Oh, sorry. A script about John Wagner, art about Richard Dolan, and about Andy Parkhouse. Judge Dredd gets a call. The Angel Gang is loose in the Temporal Studies Hall of Mega City U. Come help. At the college itself, the Moe and Curly-looking professors can only look on as the Larry-like Dean and various students are butted by a pair of mean machines and shot in the face by various other Angel Gang members. Oh, man. Bocked and shot. Not a good combo. Bad combo. Now, wow. As the Ooh, violence rages, the profs admit that there actually isn't any technology to trace the time machine that they've been using. They've used that the, sto- the, the story was just an excuse to come back to the present. <laughs> and seemingly not needing them anymore, Pa Angel prepares to kill the professors when several shots ring out, shooting the guns out of his hands. It's Judge Dredd! Oh, man, so craggy. He's got multiple, like, frown, uh, like, what do you, what do you even call yeah, those? Like, dolent, like, 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 uh, frown lines or like yeah, jaw frown things. Folds. There we go. Yeah, Dolan draws a craggy ass Judge Dredd for sure. It's beautiful. A pair of mean, mean machines prepare to attack Dredd, but after being warned that killing them could cause a, a time paradox, Dredd instead just takes out the machines with the with the uh, mean the machines mean with judo throws and stum gasses the rest of the angels. Honestly, pretty easy like, it in terms of taking these guys out. I, like he's had harder times with them, but these are, I guess, older. Angel Gang incarnations? Well, they're they're younger incarnations, and Dredd's got a lot more experience. I mean, he's got like 10 years of experience even between- Yeah, just stum like, the Judge Child's Yeah, just between the Judge Child saga and now when he first fought the Angel Gang, you know? I mean, I do feel like just stum and whatever. Yeah. I, I don't so, know if you can make them any more dumb. They're going to kill everybody anyway. Yeah, there's no what what you're gonna make them more murder. You're, you're gonna make them to a murder into murderous psychos with brain surgery. Yeah. They're already there, buddy. It's already done. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, present mean is sent back to a psycho cube and to preserve the events of the past. The angel gang has part of their memories burned out and they return to their own past. Catch you later, creep. <sighs> the end. I mean, I feel like so. This is one of the things where uh, where I, I feel like there's only two kind of plots that people go for. I I feel like this tech judge should have looked at the camera and been like, everything's fine. Who gives a shit? Like, uh, whatever. Because there's, there's a certain time plot where it's like, yes, you took them from this instance of time. But in the next instance of time, they are still there. Like, nothing's mm. changed. So, you know, just kill them. But also, I'm glad, nah. I mean, I guess just put them back in, but laser their brain. <laughs> yeah. I like this I mean, one. they I this literally a have a, 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 an overly complicated robot arm with, what is it, like two different uh, uh, kind of like uh, joints, just like yeah. lasering paw. Like, Listen. <laughs> okay. If there's one thing I'm positive the Justice Department has a fair amount of, it's machines that can laser out specific memories or, or emotions from your brain. That feels like something they definitely have just lying around in like a closet in the Justice Department. They well, can the thing is, is they that, need. that you have to laser out a very particular part of the brain. So it's a laser from one point to another point, which we definitely have seen uh, in the Moon Olympics. 
So yeah, no, we've seen this. This kind of stuff happens. It's fine. But I yeah, so anyway, and, and and I just like the idea of them, <laughs> you know, these final images of these judges carrying around the unconscious oh, like, angel and gang. Like re- and like arranging them into like places where yeah. they were supposed to be. That was exactly. so fantastic. I think that's very cute, just in kind of a Santa's, Santa's helper kind of way or something. But yeah. But um, so that's it. Sadly for Richard Dolan in 2000 what? AD, I really, I really loved his work. Yeah, I think it's just that um, it's so painterly, he, and the faces are so expressive. Definitely, I think it's just that he, you know, he's an American, and um, I think just the um, the work they had to do to kind of orchestrate getting stuff sent across the pond and things like that uh. in this era. Might have just made it like a little bit di- di- difficult to continue working with him. Is my understanding. <laughs> no, he had to use like this work is great Netscape or whatever they used. <laughs> Definitely, and I and I just don't think that um like yeah because you because I don't think you even if you could try to email somebody oh, that's, I don't think it was even yeah, possible no. to scan to scan something that would be the size. Oh no! Of, you you literally had pages. to send an attaché to a place for a guy to go onto a plane. Yeah, no, you'd yeah. have to ship them internationally, basically, and other things like that, you know. So I think it's sad, and I, and I bet, and this seems like it did take a little while, just based on how long mm. we've been hearing that it's coming and stuff like that. You know, oh, definitely that's... the problem with painting stuff is also that it kind of adds to mm. the um, production cycle and stuff. I, I mean, great though, ten out of ten. Oh right? yeah. No, this is a fun, very fun story here. It'll also actually be a little while till we see Mean Machine in the Prague as well. I don't think we'll see the. I don't, I don't think we'll see Mean Machine Angel in the Prague until like 1998, maybe. I can. Um, I mean, he did just get like uh, put in an ISO cube, which is effectively carbonite freezing for a character. I'm, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'll say like the Mega City One jails are slightly better than the uh, the, than the Gotham City ones, but that's an ironic <laughs> thing to say. Because oh. actually the next time – because we will see Mean Machine again this year when you and I talk about that dang judgment on Gotham, Judge Dread Batman crossover comic. Fox, get yeah, ready for that la, one. La. I marginally am okay with the Dark Knight. I think it'd be okay. Like, listen, I'm okay with Batman. I'm excited for this team-up story. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, I think that they are the only two heroes who I feel like would just look at each other, frown the most, and be like, yeah, all right. I no guess, way! No, oh, ooh, um, oh, right. Because you, you know fucking what, Judge vigilante. Dredd, cause, yeah, because Dread hates vigilantes, buddy. Oh my god, this is so great. Batman, Batman's whole thing is an affront to everything Judge Dredd believes in. Oh my you know? god, but they're so craggy and frownly. Yeah, buddy. Oh, this Listen, is going to be so. I'm so excited now, <laughs> and I just can't hide it. Speaking of things, I'm really excited for Fox. Come on, tell me. Things that I'm so excited and so scared of, to quote uh, Saved by the Bell. Thrill 4, Indigo Prime. I mean, I'm a bit gooey about it. Yeah. There's going to be a lot here, buddy. So, script robot John Smith, art robot Chris Weston, letting robot Tom Frame, and Mary Green. Professor Verdon Seward is is preparing his machine. It's being funded heavily by Dr. Culver, a.k.a. Jack the Ripper. But, um has had several mishaps in the past, whatever. He's also having trouble dealing with these memories of our Indigo Prime friends, Wood, Windward and Cord, yeah, that, like they've that they've sort just of implanted their his brains into his brain to remind him once in a while that they're actually buddies of his. Yeah. Anyway, Seward leads all of his dinner guests from last episode down to the basement where he's got a sweet steam train, the, Cor- uh, the, the Coriolanus, I believe, which is a uh, Shakespeare play. 
I mean, nothing a, nothing says time travel like, um, was it Back to the Future 3 before it happened? This is very much uh, being ripped off by Back to the Future 3. It's a goddamn time train. Miss um, <laughs> Charlotte Boyd um, writes in her journal of first impressions. We see images of the stately train, its various rich purple rooms and sumptuous quarters. Servants live in the caboose. Wow. The, the prime boys prod Seward and get him to admit Culver's involvement in the time train. And Seward's, Seward's mind, uh, mind control seems really paper thin. Like he's not sort of can you do me, like handling the stuff. Can yeah, you do sure. me one favor and just like hot take towards the microphone and say, time train. Time train. See? God damn. It's good. Feels like, feels like, yeah, I mean, you've seen the whole money plane thing. I feel like time train needs to be the sequel. I have seen Money Plane. Not great. So the the train takes off. Destination, the early Paleolithic, 40,000 years ago. Warhammer, negative 40K. Wow. <laughs> All right there, bud. Also, the train accurate, pa- weirdly. Mm. Well, I mean, they knew what the times were in the 90s. You know, come on. Um, and so the train powers up and soon they're on their way, blasting through time travel dreamscapes and headed for the past. I, I love that they have a guy shoveling what is time coal into the time engine. Yeah. I think it might even be just regular coal, but definitely being shoveled into the time engine for it's sure. It's so good. It's so good. I uh, It's just no detail was spared in this. And I love it so much. Definitely. I mean, this really is Chris Weston really kind of, this is like his, like when he comes into his um, talent, I think. I, so I know he great. said so. Like this is some of his favorite work and so, or some of his, some, some of his best early work and really when he, um, he's got a real handle <laughs> on the talent that would make him a master of this certainly stuff. Certainly fucking mine with everything, everyone just, the characters are horrible. It's great. In yeah, the good the guests way. And- yeah, the guests all enjoy a picnic in negative 40K, as it seems Major uh, Littleton has gone hunting. The Indigo because Pride Labs just, worry about That's what you pain. do, right? Like, f- yeah. fuck the butterfly effect. I need to shoot like a, like well, a brainstorm they're, rhinoceros. They're Victorian English people, you know? Like, they can't not colonize everything. Everywhere they go and everything they do is at least partially colonizing. Well, I mean, our main you know? characters do nothing about it until they kind of learn about it, in which case one is kind of like, that seems like a bad idea while well, the other one eats a, a chicken leg, which is what I would have I mean, done. It's, yeah, it's, it's too late to do anything <sighs> about it now, you know? I know. But yeah, Littleton, Littleton, um, I'm sorry, um, a shot goes off and the crew goes to investigate and it seems the major has put a giant blunderbuss round right through the, uh, the chest of a cave dude. Um, back aboard the ship, Charles Langham and Professor Seward have a discussion about evolution that seems to hinge on the fact that saying that we evolved from apes is actually kind of insulting, basically. I mean, <laughs> like, like to them, right? Like that's the, oh, that's yeah. a feeling that I got, which is like, honestly, Probably why people were real shitty about a lot of things. I mean, I think it's still, um, um, I think it still exists to this day of just people who, where they say we evolved from apes, and there's like there's some racism in there and a oh, bunch yeah. of other stuff. But basically, people being like, "Me evolved from an ape." <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. Oh, beautiful. Um, Seward wants to go further back to the earliest points in human and even human history, even in in the history of the world. So I mean, we when gotta Charlotte have some in, parlor games. 
Yeah, ready. Because yeah, sh- Charlotte comes in and invites everybody to a seance that the professor's daughter Mary is holding. I like, That's we go to the seance. I like that yeah. they call it a parlor game in this case, as opposed to a seance that then contains more horrors than, like, I would say the first 30 minutes of Ghostbusters. <laughs> well, I mean, I'd say, like... You know, it's a parlor game and that literally it's a thing you do for fun in the parlor, right? Like it's well, a literal parlor game. Oh, yeah. Game I just – I feel like the person who's doing the seance is like the most serious person. Everyone else is like, let's all just hold hands and do a ghost thing, right? And get spooked yeah, out. Yeah, I think – And then she vomits like her own skeleton, you know? I've seen a lot of horror movies start exactly this way, Fox, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but so – But also – Yeah, okay. But it's not fun. But also, yes, you're right. No. And I mean, like, on, like honestly, I got to say, if it was me, I'd like be having a lot of questions about just what we're seancing if we're doing it forty thousand years ago. <laughs> oh, like, where did this? Like, does this Stegosaurus have some shit to say to uh, to one of his multiple mates? Or did yeah, I mean, like all you- your all your all you're gonna get if you're summoning the ghosts of that era are gonna be a whole bunch of cavemen shouting in caveman talk about someone else who hit them upside the head with like a big bone or something. I like was that. roasting this meat and I had stolen this like several people from someone else, and then someone killed me, and that was not so great. Yeah. Ooh, a tiger ate me. Like, oh, yeah, buddy, I figured. Oh, you know? man, I'd love to summon the ghost of a dude who got, like, devoured by a saber-toothed tiger. Or I'd love to summon the saber-toothed tiger that died eating someone because their belly got too full. Definitely. Yeah, so we're at this seance, all right? None of that happens. We got, we got Mary, Charlotte, Windward and Cord, Mr. and Mrs. Barrett Gould, and Dr. Culver. Mary goes into a trance and then screams as a... uh. A new voice speaks to her. I believe she's quoting one of the Jack the Ripper letters as her body then begins to dissolve into a strange ectoplasmic pentagram as she starts talking about something called the Iscariot, the Eunuch Lord. There's a sound, clip-clop, like horse hooves, growing louder and louder as an eye forms in the center of the pentacle. Windward and Cord look slightly worried as suddenly a body of ectoplasm seems to incarnate next to them. It's the body with clothes ripped and damaged. A claw's hand reached out for Charlotte Boyd. And then we see that it is her body as both soundlessly scream. Oh, my God. So weirdly, I just watched From Hell with Johnny Depp and... Oh, nice. Red, red-haired lady? Why am I forgetting her? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Heather Graham? Yeah. Well, yeah, pretty good. So as soon as I read this, I was just like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm kind of versed. And then, a little bit and then of, things of, went of real stuff, went yeah. off rails. Really off. I don't know anything about Jack the Ripper normally, but that one was, you know. Yeah, I'll say that like in like in that era, that sort of like late 19th, early 20th century, of course, seance is a big thing. Um, you know, in the early 20th century, that's where you get like Harry Houdini being a big deal and sort of um, well, and disproving also taking them. a huge shit on anybody who did that. He's like, yeah, Fuck discrediting you. them and stuff. But a big part of those seances was the creation of uh, ectoplasm, they called it. Oh. Um, which is just sort of stuff coming out of the person doing the seance, basically. There so was good. one lady, yeah, or something. There was one lady famously who was, um, who, ba- who would basically, 
like swallow a handkerchief and then kind of spit it up while she was doing the seance and stuff, which is pretty crazy. Right. Just a lot I of mean, also like her theatrics, uh, 10 out of 10. I just feel like, you know, if you're going to be a magician about it. Be a magician about it as opposed to a, you know, a fake. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So the soundless scream turns to a noisy scream and the whole train hears it and comes running. When they arrive, it seems things have pretty much gone back to normal, though Miss Boyd has passed out. <laughs> Winwood tr- uh, tries to make explanations as Cor just basically laughs to himself about it. And Mary Seward tearfully argues with her father about all this mysticism stuff. It's real bad, bud. We shouldn't be doing it here. And then he just seethes for a sec. Yeah. Why don't you Mary just keep your some... mouth shut for a few minutes and it's like, all right, bud, real real good exactly. dattery there. Yeah, standard like upper crust father-daughter argument stuff going on I do like the here. Tom Harris drop, by the way, in this, the, mm-hmm. the Signs of the Lamb stuff. <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah. Later in their quarters, we, uh, oh, sorry, uh, Mary prophesies that something dreadful about to happen and is afraid they're all going to die. Later in their quarters, Winwood reads Silence of the Lambs, and I should say the movie for that came out in February of 91. Really good. They talk, yeah, they talk about the images that appeared in Mary's seance. And it seems the whole reason they're here is to stop some kind of terrible event called the Iscariot. And to get there, they need Culver to murder the shit out of, out of Charlotte Boyd. Whoops. Which is going to happen, yeah. And Winwood, as he says, this is magically peeling an orange and stuff. Real yeah, great. listen, they'll let Culver kill and butcher Charlotte, and then Cord can take him out, whatever, and they'll use whatever the psychic strength of that murder to then um do something to stop the iscariot not not clear at this point i i do really enjoy the fact that like okay he's just you know of course like your eye is drawn to the fact that he's kind of peeling this orange but that they mm-hmm. effectively just look like maggots and the juice is green as yes. opposed to orange like it's yeah. uh, it's a very it's a very affecting image especially after the the bone skull eyeball tree that he made yeah, w- yeah. Winwood seems to be turning into kind of a plant guy as he says this, actually. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of disturbing here. But basically, yeah, Culver's got to kill Boyd. It's a sacrifice that has to be made. <laughs> Elsewhere, <laughs> Seward writes in his diary as a servant mops the floor. He's like reflecting on his daughter's spiritual escapades. But like, bro, you built a time machine. You can't throw any mud here. Yeah, I feel um, like you've already fucked things up enough. Don't be a dick about yeah. it. Though he does make a fair point, like I said, that summoning ghosts while time traveling is probably just asking for trouble. Um, a green figure appears outside the window of the train and then bursts through and attacks the servant. Goose her up. It's a real goo guy. Yeah, bad times. Um, a strange wisps of smoke bellow through the train. Mm-hmm. Professor Seward finds them and follows them to find the to, and, and, and gets the servant, Miss Harris, in the process of being consumed by this monster. Cord feels the drop in pressure and goes to investigate, um, rightfully worrying about creatures creatures from outside the train somehow getting inside and hurting somebody. As I mentioned before, Winwood's head seems to have turned into some kind of weird yeah, it's plant. Like, a, like with a the f- roots growing through his and face shit. and yeah. stuff. Yeah. He once more warns mm-hmm. against stopping Culver from his murderous ways. Hmm. Hmm. Meanwhile, Miss Boyd lays uncomfortably in his bed in her bed as Donald Mayberry stands over her. Culver arrives and sends him off to help Miss Harris while he remains with Charlotte. Court arrives in the room with Miss Har- with Mrs. Harris and does a mind whammy on Seward to make him take the servant elsewhere as Cord remains behind to reseal the car. He walks about when that Asian butler guy from last time comes jumping out of this mist 
in a seething form of ectoplasm grabbing onto him. He uh, um, gets half his body eaten, bud. Yeah, it's bad times. Um, yeah, something very weird and gross, basically. Cord, who we should mention is wearing a tank top, spandex shorts, along with high tops with his top hat. Um, tries to pull the butler out of the ectoplasm as a fig as figures appear out of the mass and then sort of pull him back. It's, Suddenly, Cord yeah. goes flying, and he's just holding the top half of the butler <laughs> as the, with his legs and guts are left behind. And very visible in this comic book. I, and also, then oh, yes. in the next frame, you can see his butt half. It's a it's a new era. A figures appear at, a figure appears out of the fog that Neanderthal the major killed. He stands over Cord. Says, now, blue boy, it's killing. Now's the killing time. You can see the difference in coloring between uh, the Indigo Prime guys and the regular folks. Mm. Let's open you up and see what makes you tick. God damn, man. Next time on Indigo Prime, yours truly, Jack the Ripper. There's uh, a lot going on. There's, it, well, I just, I, I love that it. Uh, so there is a change in character color that happens mm. a little here. So everyone, uh, if I remember correctly, everyone um, from the normal crew starts in a sort of uh, a red. Like, like an orange. Yeah. Or an orange. Like an orangey brown, I'd say, almost. And then as you're at like cord... So everybody starts kind of transitioning almost indigo, but um, Cord stays his kind of indigo purple, whereas um, uh, Win- Winward, Winward? Or Winwood yeah. starts turning real sickly. Yeah, he gets a really ev- strange color as he's sitting there. Yeah, in the, exactly. Um, as does everyone else. And so I love this kind of like, I, I, I mean, obviously there's like overbearing amounts of color. That are meant to to have meaning. It's just that that Indigo Prime as having a meaning within the story that you're watching, mm. uh, like it being a thing. Because certainly Cord feels like he's the actual hero with his steam pipe or his stovepipe hat and his yeah whole affect. And like, well, no, I'm gonna try to like actually do some things now. Right, wow, Winwood's just like, ah, oh, like sit back for now. There's no reason to do anything to help these people out. Whatever. Yeah, it just it's 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 real neat. And then when he goes like blue, it's when like shit really goes down and he's like covered in blood and people. Um but when he's doing an action, he is this kind of like maroon or purple. It, it's it, it's just very interesting how colors change. That's all. Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Feel like there's something going on there that that I've yet to pick up, but I feel like will be revealed. Definitely, or at least, at the, you know, at the very least, it's cool. But hopefully, yeah, it's always nice when we notice weird stuff going on that it actually turns out to have a meaning as well. That's, that's sort of what you hope for. And I feel like John Smith has helped us out with this kind of stuff in the past. He's like a uh, – he knows what we're looking for with these characters and stuff. Mm. So I'm hopeful that we're going to go here. I'm really I'm really loving this story. I and fucking really – I love it. Are you where, kidding? Where with it. There's murders on a time train based on Jack the Ripper and two people who can literally stick their fingers into someone's brain to stop them from, you know, I guess – Yeah, what's not to like? Absolutely. God, there's so much here. Totally. But let's take a break from that with non-thrills, covers, and nerve setters. Wiping my brow. 
Seriously. Prog 736, Muty and the Beast. Colin McNeil draws dread on the warpath. In the nerve center, Tharg is getting philosophical while the Ig droid teases the return of Bix Barton and shows us the cover of the upcoming Dread Batman crossover judgment on Gotham, which, we'll, like I said before, we'll be talking about later in, in this year. The input page is pictures of Judge Odie and Judge Shred. So this feels like a very early 90s Saturday morning cartoon I, set I do of like, fan arts. I, I, I will say... As soon as I saw Odie, I then saw Shredder, and I was like, well, but which one can I love the most? Cause it's true. It's tough. Odie, Odie was my dude. Sorry. Sorry to I any like Garfield Shredder, fans, their fans out there. But yeah, like Shredder, that's like the I, he's equipping his, uh, his uh, spikes back into his gauntlets because, bitch, yeah, of course he could shoot those. Yeah, Shredder, all evil, voiced by the uh, by the uncle from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Soup. Hmm. Letters celebrate the 14th anniversary of 2000 AD. Praise Rogue Trooper. Can complain about there being no prizes for Australians. And there's one joke letter accidentally writing into Computer Weekly. Oh, all right. Prog 737. It's the play. It's another plane issue. All right. Okay. There's that. Anyway, uh, Mad Love, it's got a preview of things to come as Big Spartan is menaced by saints and weird forest creatures in a cover by Jim McCarthy. I, I was going to make, I just want everyone to know I was going to make uh, a Mad Love uh, and now we've got problems joke. Yeah, we used to have bad, yeah, we used to have Mad Love and now we got bad blood, buddy. Oh, bad listen blood. Up. Right. I don't, okay. Taylor Swift, I love you, but I don't listen to your music. Fox loves Taylor Swift, everybody. In the Nerve Center, Tharg announces the new Big Spartan, <laughs> but says it could also have been a new Robo Hunter or a new Luke Kirby, whatever. Although I mentioned that those stories are coming in September and in September of 1991 and September of 1992, respectively. Stop teasing the new Luke Kirby. We aren't doing it, all right? Years from now. <laughs> Igroid interviews uh, the man himself, John Wagner. He's 41 at this point and currently working hard on a bunch of new stories, including one called I Was a Teenage Tax Consultant, which is going to be – which was supposed to be published for something else, but will eventually make it to 2000 AD in 1997. That's so long from now. Yeah. marks the new Biggs Barton story with an image of Tharg doing an OK symbol – which has become unfortunate in modern day symbology. Mid-prog, I don't know what there's you a mean. lot going on. I have no idea what that means. It's a whole thing. Um, Midprog Tharg has an offer. There's 50 Solar Trader board games to be one, one. I've never played that one, but it seems very complicated. Board Game Geek gives it a 6 out of 10. In the input page, <laughs> there's a golfing judge as <laughs> as part of the Mega City Open. Yeah, 6 out of 10. No, that's, that is a uh, – that is a – it's fine. Score. Yeah, okay. Not great. Huh. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a Judge Predator and letter complaining about how sour John Brosnan is about movies that we've talked about. I mean, um, yeah, John Brosnan <laughs> is literally the definition of sour. Doesn't like these movies. They mention that Tharg predicted whole city getting relegated, point out similarities between Beyond Zero and Total Recall. Yeah. And I mean, indeed, the... Really? I mean, in the in the story there isn't, but like that in the prologue of the uh, of Below Zero, sure. There's the, the the ad for the thing is ve- for the uh, VR setup is pretty much exactly the same as the total as the recall ad at the start of Total Recall. Sure, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Homage. Um, and but 
Whatever, but like it, it goes in different positions, so who cares, you know? And the frog <laughs> ends with ads for Fleetway graphic novels and some new Forbidden Planet locations. Cool. Yeah. Great job, Forbidden Planet. 7, yeah, listen, they're, they're blowing up all over the place in this era. Prog 738, Cliff Robinson draws dread at the firing range, just shooting the faces of old enemies and 2000 AD logos on target for thrill power. I mean, I feel like he's really not on target. Multiple people don't – I mean, there's like – a few, uh, yeah, I, like with headshots, there's like Judge Death through the teeth, but almost Listen, everybody, buddy, it's you, just like, it's scattered at best. I'm going to let you be the one to critique Dredd's aim to his face, all right? Um, oh. Uh, well. Yeah. In the Nerve Center, Tharg announces several upcoming thrills, including Dead Meat from Prog 742, Revere from 744, and the Judge Red Magazine issue 10, which we'll be talking about on Friday, and plugs various specials, etc. Perfection. Yep. Mid- Mid-Prog, there's an ad for a shop called The Art of Comics, an issue two of a comic called Blast, a short-lived monthly Brit comic featuring very early work by Warren Ellis and Gordon Rennie, about who we'll talk about much more uh, later. Gordon Rennie, that is. On the input page, there's a pretty fun picture of Judge False, complete with face mask and shoulder eagle wearing sunglasses. Letters include a weird poem about junk an impatient Indigo Prime reader, a French reader, and a charge with the authenticity of the 2080 mug. The prog ends with ads for more Fleetway graphic novels, including Dead Man, Hooligan's Haircut, Shambhala, and a collection oh, of like, I believe a, yeah, and a French comic, I believe, called Inspector Canardo as well. <laughs> oh, I just, Conrad, can I start Yo. calling you Con- Inspector Canardo? No, but you can call no. the inspector Conrado if you please. I would. In fact, I would please to do that. All right. One more thing, Fox. Uh, Prog 739. Shocking. Disgusting. Disgraceful. <laughs> Another Cliff Robinson color of dread kicking ass and piss- pissing off these squares. And here I thought he was talking about my ability to podcast. <laughs> Ooh, never. In the nerve center, Thug promises we ain't seen nothing yet as Igroid. Boo, baby. Thank As, you. Uh, Igrid wants to go to the beach and announces several new graphic novels, basically the ones we just saw um, advertisements for at the end of last prog. Um, the input page is pictures of a Judge Donut and a Thrill Power meter that um, looks like Tharg crossed with that one alien from the end credits of Star of, the, of, of Star Trek, the original series, if you know what I'm talking about. I do um, not. Now, there was always this one bug-eyed, real fake-looking alien that was just sort of the still image in the end credits of the original series. I, um, I was never an original series fan, gotta say. I was a TNG bummer, plus. Buddy. I mean, I was too, but, you know, I saw – whatever. Um, <laughs> letters call out the Three Stooges in the Mean Machine story and seem to insult both Robo Hunter and Dadamoto in very smug ways. There's more accusations of plagiarism in both Below Zero and Silo – Although they oh. mentioned that Below Zero was actually written in 1990 and thus pre-Total Recall. So stop talking to us about this. The, uh, the, the barefoot glass stuff in Silo is the, uh, is the plagiarism. Oh, interesting. And a, final, yeah, and a final letter identifies the car from the Me Machine story as a reliant Regal, not a reliant Robin. And I am still disrespectful of your English three-wheeled car. So whatever. <laughs> is that actually a thing? That's not a thing. I mean, I don't think they're super popular, but I think they exist. Is it a, uh, I mean, I would just call that a tricycar. Nah. Well, I mean, maybe. I don't know what the official thing well, is. Was it in front or in back? Double, double in front or in back. 
I believe, double in front. So I'm not a reverse sure, tricycle. Mm. Could be. But speaking of strange technological <laughs> advancements, Fox. What? What? Huh? This podcast? Speaking of dance until you drop, Fox, it's oh, God. Thrill 5 Dow Demoto. Ooh. Speaking of, uh, you know, just don't, like, take off your clothes on stage. I'll be right back. Yep. Script robot Myra Hancock, art robot Dave Oy, and letting robot Annie Parkhouse. Three-page Dow this time. Lulu performs with her guitar as Inga serves drinks and dudes complain about her poisoning ways, which is fair. She poisoned that whole ship. Um, <laughs> Lulu calls up Dow and Inga goes to grab her. Um, she's wearing her performance gear, which involves long fingernails, a black robe, and a mukata type thing, which are the, the crowns they wear in like Cambodia and Thailand and stuff. I'll be perfectly honest. It's the long fingernails that terrify me. Mm. She removes her th- robe to a very under booby kind of crop top. Oh, and yeah. yeah. Loin cloth. There's definitely a lot of under teeth. Yeah. But as she goes to dance, she passes out. Oh, you know. She did drink. Tau- yeah, she's got some stuff going on. Dow gets taken off to rest and Lulu's forced to let Inga get up there to do a sexy dancing thing to mollify the crowd. Oh, Dow wakes up in a hospital bed and Lulu sort of I mean, yells at her for, for – or razzes her for claiming to be a virgin in her act, but she's actually pregnant and like, you know what's going on? I feel I feel like there's some shaming being done here, but also at the same time, this is a space station that this chick owns and she's like, you are doing some lying, my bro. Like, please stop. Well, and I feel like at least some of it is revenge shaming because I think like apparently Dow has made a big deal about not being being available to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not her body isn't for sale and stuff like that. Um, (sighs) And Dow says it's complicated, and the med tech agrees and says that while Dow shows all these symbols of being pregnant, there's no baby in there. So really, how is Babby formed indeed, is what I'm trying to say. I mean, listen, how does girl get pregnant with Alien? Exactly, yeah. Dow eats as Lulu talks about Inga's dance and then asks about Subkalo. Uh, Dow explains that she is actually pregnant, but it's like a psychic pregnancy. Whoa! Feeling all the effects of being pregnant, but the baby's elsewhere. What? Uh, okay. All right. I mean, that's fine, I guess. Yeah. Dow and Lulu talk more about psychic pregnancy. Lulu gives <laughs> Dow a hard time for trading, which I guess means prostitution or something like that. Dow seems to differentiate between having sex and having a baby. But Lulu makes a, a fair point about yeah. selling your body, being selling your body. It's one of these, we've established you're a prostitute, now let's discuss the price kind of situations. Yeah, exactly. I mean, listen, I'll let you... I mean, listen, I got three gigs of RAM stored in my brain. You can put anything in there. Kind of. I mean... Like, I don't know. Like, I'm just saying I, that Johnny con, Mnemonic con, is a prostitute. I mean, I would, I, I, I just want to say that, like, what, what? I'm, 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 I'm connecting them more because I'd like to give, um, sex workers a fair shake versus oh. trying to, de- trying to down, to, uh, to down surrogate mothers. I want to make that very clear. My, sort of my as we're dude, going forward here. Ev- everyone should have support regardless of situation. 
Yeah. So just that, that, that's what I'm trying to say when I'm saying you're both like selling your body technically. That's more like, hey, like I think, you know, we're basically okay with surrogate mothers, less okay with sex workers. And we should be okay with sex workers. Come we on, should be, be okay with everybody um, doing whatever they want with literally the genetic material that you don't own. Go fuck yourself. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm mostly there with you. I Next know. Time I'm just very angry. Kids in space. Oh, kids in space. That's right. And hey, speaking of complex space situations, Fox. I mean, I'm into it. Yeah. Let's go to Thrill Six Below Zero. I just, I I love this comic book, Conrad. It's fun. I love it so much. Like, why why wasn't this like the, the B movie with uh like several people that I marginally know making exactly yeah. this plot? Definitely. Multiple times. Skip this is like this is like uh like the in the zero saga, zero number three, zero number four. Yep. Like third zero. Oh god, so many why has no one made this a bad beat? You know, it's a fun, much maligned series, I think. This one is really one that I think doesn't get enough uh mention. It's so of good. Sort of forgotten stories. They're really fun. Script robot John Brosnan, art robot Kev Hopgood, leg robot Glib. So Dolly, who's Tanner's old squad sergeant and a general badass, has the drop on Tanner. But then one of her chain-wielding goons Once recovers, again. attacks Tanner, gets his ass kicked again. Oh, geez. And this time it takes out Dolly as well. I, I like so how it's, can ask she, she literally is just like, God damn it, you, you whipped him with your chain again. He then used the chain to throw you into me. You fell for it again. He's Dolly, got a robot arm. He can beat your chain. I mean, you know? I'll be honest. Dolly just needs to stop. Taking on contracts where she's gonna fuck up her former subordinate. She yeah, seems no, to be Tanner pretty can ready beat her. for it's a known it. quantity for sure. But she was sent to hurt Tanner, not kill him, and she Just got the job from a mysterious con- from a mysterious robot. So there's no leads. Okay. <laughs> What's I mean, that? Oh no, yeah. no, no, no! It's, uh, it's, uh, everything's fine. I love this comic. Yeah. So Tanner heads back to Paradise now in Lazarus Gray. The deaths are mounting up in his personal matrix. So he's getting jam- so Tanner's getting jammed in again, this time into the world of Alfred Sims, who's living a full James Bond kind of thing. Uh, I like that as he goes in, Tanner quotes a, a, another classic film and says he's got a bad feeling about this. Ooh. So as soon as I saw that dude's name was Agent Double uh, X, my first inclination was Agent Shh or Agent or Agent XX. And then I suddenly realized that it's Agent Double X. You Could know, be Agent Kiss Kiss, you know? Oh, 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 Conrad, it is Agent Kiss Kiss. Oh my yeah, God. It it's Conrad, thank you so much for this gift. That's what I'm here for. Hold on um, a second, Fox. I'm Agent Kiss Kiss. That's right. Well, you know, there was that one. Bond movie that was called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, right? In like France or something. That sounds like a porno, Conrad. But no, there, there's one Bond movie where the French title, when literally translated back to English, was called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, as I recall. And that's where then the Robert Downey Jr. movie gets its name from. Really? Yes. Learned. But anyway. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so this guy's in it. Uh, Tanner warps in. And as always, Simmons thinks that this is part of his VR scenario instead of believing him. Thus, instead of trying to play it safe, they're going to have to deal with Professor Shatterhand's piranha tank, I suppose. But first, some guards show up and Tanner and Simmons take them out right away. Everything that happens is exactly how I would have wanted it to happen, which is exactly everything goes wrong. It's pretty good. Yeah, Tanner and Simmons, a.k.a., well, like you said, Agent Kiss Kiss, or maybe Hug Hug. I forget what the X is versus the <laughs> oh, it's, I mean, it doesn't matter, but I am going to call him Agent Kiss Kiss. That's fine. They go through Castle Ironhook, the HQ, Professor Shatterhand. To stop him, they'll have to climb a nearby tower. Uh, Kiss Kiss has some suction cups <laughs> while Tanner brute forces his way with his robot hand <laughs> as they bicker about whether he's real or not. Okay, at, at, at Shatterhand, at Shatterhand's lab, they confront the evil genius as he explains his gravity gun, and then shows that he's got uh, Kiss Kiss's partner Terra Peel hanging over a uh, a piranha tank, and it's the same lady as the, it's that same Helena lady that Tanner keeps bumping into. Once I peel that orange, it's going to be Kish Kish for you. I believe that the names are various spy lady names. I know Peel comes from Emma Peel oh. from the uh, Avengers, and Tara also oh, sounds familiar. No. Right from, right oh, no. Oh, remember the Avengers movie, the one that was made when, when we were alive? Yeah, yeah, with uh, Sean Connery, and, the, and they walked around in those bubbles, and they had there was a big evil meeting where everybody wore teddy, teddy bear costumes. Terrible. Oh, no. Um, I mean, I feel like you're not – I mean, terrible. I feel like you're not remembering how great – <laughs> uh, I feel like it's that certain kind of great. I remember the granny um, with the fucking with the pram as she's going down the street. <laughs> but so they banter a bit, and Kiss Kiss reveals he's got a missile in his shoe <laughs> and prepares to fire it. He fires his shoe rocket, but instead, of course, it goes off course and heads right back. I at mean, him. yeah, he's he gonna die, and the world fades away. Man, yeah. this is really starting to feel like maybe it's a very big setup for our old bud Tanner. Gee, is it a setup, Conrad? Do you think it's a setup? Well, let's keep let's let's see how it goes. You let's know? see how um, it goes to 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 seven thirty nine. Well, Tanner's failed again, and now it's starting to affect his confidence. Like he's starting to feel bad, frankly. Um, <laughs> he tries to quit, but Gray offers to double his feed, and he goes mm. back into the machine. Mm. This time to talk to Ramsey uh, Banks, who's an absolute, which means that he's in there, and he's got no idea that he's in there. Oh, we God. cut to Banks standing on a rapidly sinking starfighter on a choppy ocean, and Tanner is just sort of floating there and asks for a hand up. He claims he's got amnesia, but that he crashed nearby. And Banks explains they're on an ocean planet, and you got to be careful because of the Kraken. And then Tanner gets grabbed by a giant suction cups of squids. Oh, man. I <laughs> love the Kraken. I love the Kraken, the, I love the Kraken how it's like, <laughs> it's got like this open totally. mouth with a tongue thing. It's it's very strange. Bad, yeah, bad fight Kraken off. look. Totally. Yeah, it's really, it's pretty awesome. They fight the Kraken off like they're the American court system. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> Conrad. And uh, uh, and listen, so, but and eventually Banks tries to ask some hard questions about Tanner, but lights appear in the sky. It's a spaceship that's come to rescue them. That's a good joke, buddy. By the way, that Kraken joke, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. Tanner and Banks get picked up, but Banks is still distrustful of Tanner. What if he's with the bugs? And aboard the ship, there's several, you know, space space mercenary <laughs> types here among them. Helena, and, and we're of gonna space mercenary the shit out of you, or maybe everything's fine, but we don't trust you because I'm 
full immersive fucker, and you know I am. Yeah. They uh they say they've been fighting a war against the bugs for years, and Tanner's had enough because bug wars are dumb. And you're an <laughs> asshole in a computer simulation. Wake up! Bug wars <laughs> are dumb, and we're all in a computer simulation. Wake up! Am I right? He demands that Gray get him out of here. Starts Buy this wrecking alpha the ship brain, up until he idiots. fades away. Yeah, back in the real world. Oh yeah, ant beings. Oh man, shout oh, out to you. Anyway, um, <laughs> back in the real world, Tanner says. That the that all that sci-fi stuff is dumb, and Grace says, "Oh, don't worry about, it, buddy. It's fine. They found the culprit. One of my employees. Off you go. Here's your money." Uh, Tanner sent home. All's well that ends well, I guess. He's feeling a bit unfulfilled. Like, huh? That was kind of anticlimactic, I guess. Because everything um, that I do ends with either, you know, me fighting a bad guy and some ninjas crawling up a fucking elevator, etc. Or, hey, there's a blimp with a bunch of people who think that the woman who is still alive, but not the robot that she became, is a thing. Like, uh, you know. Just really not yeah, feeling a, it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel like the I feel like many of these below zeros have had good climactic endings. No, that's and stuff what like I mean. That. He's like, God, this sucked. Yeah, totally. So <laughs> he's got the only way he can actually reach climax, my man. I mean, yeah, uh, story he, climax. Come on, skip it. Definitely. He greets a lot and is happy to be back in the real world. He tells her the whole story and she switches on the news to see if there's developments in the bug wars oh. that have been raging for thirty years. <laughs> Tanner doesn't understand what's going on unless – and then Alana reaches back and unzips the back of her head and it's Helena in there. You're still at the machine. I'm the chick you and like. Or maybe – And your you know. troubles have only just begun. From bug to worse, am I right? That's next time. Uh, just some, some fun reality stuff. I like that it's given um, Brosnan a chance to kind of make fun of various sci-fi tropes and stuff. It's all pretty fun. Yeah. I, uh, is Zero ever actually bad? Is my I guess my question. I don't like. I don't know the future, but I certainly know the past. Is Zero ever actually bad? I mean, I'll tell you that there's not much future beyond the road we're currently walking on right now. Sadly, I mean that's not necessarily sad in my book, given Harlem Heroes logic. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like you know I've really in, I feel like we we, we should talk about more when we finish up. But <sighs> we I, will. I, I've, I've loved all these Zero stories, this man. Is they're so they're, good, they're, Conrad. They're tightly plotted. They have kind of fun characters and situations. They <sighs> like to take the piss out of certain things that I think are sort of, you it's know, fun, fun fictional to things read. and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it's not making you think that much or anything, but they are just sort of like fun genre stories. <laughs> and I feel like that's what I'm looking for in 2018, like frankly. It's, it, honestly, like if if anything within the, the ultra pack thrill ride of like me picking this up in a week right Mm -hmm. this is the this is the the water slide at the park and then you have to (laughs) then you have to wait a week the week being you running up like you know the steps to go back on the water slide and waiting to go back on the water slide you know like it's so sure it's so fun it's so fun conrad it's so fun Stupid. Definitely. Well, let's talk about another um, another amusement park ride. Oh, Fox, hell yeah. The Lover's Leap. Thrill 7, Bix Barton. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> Skip through about Peter Milligan, art about Jim McCarthy, learning about any park house. All McCarthy, right. McCarthy, and this is the best thing that I can say about all, like, not best. I'm just saying mouth. The word mouth. <laughs> Some weird mouths in here. Yes. Uh, um, so. so fantastic 
With Mean Machine done, Bix Barton's back in the saddle. Love is a many splendored things, but suddenly everybody has fallen in love with everybody, and they're about to do a lover's leaf up a lover's leap off the cliffs of Dover. Oh geez. Let's lemming the fuck out of this. Yes. We flash back to Bix Barton finishing up a previous case as his assistant, Michael Kane, who we'll recall is literally a Kane, announces his real hardcore non-platonic love for Bix. Let's get it going. Some people He's just want of- to have unplatonic love with you. That's right. Master Bix. Yeah, just wants yeah, just wants to see the world burn after this after this burn with whatever. desire. Yeah, and like VD, whatever. Move on. Um, and and Bix says, "By God, man, this is Whitehall, not Tangiers." Uh, I don't. Abs- I absolutely have no idea what mm, that means. But it seems everybody's in love. They're like making out and doing all kinds of stuff in the street and everything. A big-faced government chap explains that everybody is falling in gross, hopeless. <sighs> Like uh, puppy love, basically. He has so much teeth and saliva in his mouth that it makes me so happy. You see where the gums, like, end and the teeth begin. And where the teeth end, it is just water mouth. (laughs) We see a doctor falling in love with an appendix that that, that he was removing, for instance. Anyway, Bix is called in to stop the largest lover's leap at Dover, and then the government chap and Michael Caine fall in love with each other and run away to go do gross stuff, apparently. I mean, you um, never know. Don't know. Bix is largely immune to all of this, thanks to his steady diet of cold showers and reading the Daily Telegraph. Oof. Soon he's in Dover, trying desperately to talk people out of jumping. Go back to your homes and repeat, I'm British a hundred times, he says. <laughs> But in the end, Ooh. even Bix isn't immune, and soon he's asked a random lady's banana to jump off the cliff with him. They do, though luckily Bix was late enough in the rush to jump that his fall was cushioned by the many dead bodies below. Well, he at least he definitely go- stopped all the problems. Yeah, he goes to climb back up the cliffs, Assassin's Creed Valhalla style, <laughs> when a cloudy mist grabs him and pulls him to the top of the cliffs, where he meets a cherub, and you can call him Cher. Do you believe in love after love? Well, in this case, he wants to turn back time, so that Ooh. people don't jump off the cliffs and stuff. Oh, <laughs> come on. I'm going to share some magic charms to change the stuff because he's a gypsy woman, Fox. I'm going to share with you later. Some share. I mean, I'm going to share some share with you later. Yeah. Bix and Cher grab a pint. Cher explains that he works for the God of Love. (laughs) Who in turn works for the God. It's kind of complex. But there's a new guy in that position and he's now hopelessly lovesick. And that's what's messing up the world. They... Basically. Okay, also, I guess I also, my Hold God, on. this Sherub is getting, or this Cher Sherub is getting real shit housed on a lot of beer. Like, I mean, yeah, well, he- looking down the glass at some points while, you know, four more pints come by. Absolutely. Anyway, things are tough. Actual God can't help because he's too busy. Consensus building, which I guess is a joke about sort of the new government that had come in in the early 90s there. But Bix can. He's got to enter the land of the gods um, by breathing in some scent of eau de dieu and uh, then do some other stuff. 
But that while he's explaining that, the pub there and explodes. A giant tree monster is attacking for some reason. Luckily, Bix has a giant booger hidden in his nose. <sighs> this which he is pulls gross. Out and throws the monster's face, blinding it. Fair enough, I guess. So I have, I have a booger and vomit thing. It's real gross looking at these pictures. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Cher explains that the presidents of the USA and the United Arab States have fallen in love and entered it into a nuclear bomb-based suicide pact. So, fix, so Bix has to fix this problem real fast. They get in the Bix mobile, but it's attacked by that wood god in the form of a giant tree. Its branches t- grab <sighs> Cher, and they get to rip him limb from limb, quite literally. And as he dies, oh he explains God, that Bix right. He, like, rips his arm off and stuff. <laughs> no, explains that the leg, the arm, like, just ripping pieces of him off. It's really gross. It's pretty good. He explains that Bix must sniff the potion while looking at a godly image, but then he just gets ripped, ripped, ripped to pieces. Bix heads to a nearby church to check out some godly stuff, but when he arrives, it's empty! Man, the twist here being the one that I I'd like, so I was surprised that it didn't happen that episode. I am very happy it happened in 739, where he just looks at his own visage. Yeah, yeah. The love plague has led to the church being ransacked. So now where will Bix find some godly stuff? He toyed with the he toys with the idea of using uh, Elvis, but he doesn't want to step on Red Razor's toes in the magazine. So instead, he finds a bunch of mirrors and uses his own godly image to go to heaven. Ooh, uh, sacrilegious. I mean, uh, don't, oh, no, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Said so sacrilegious. Ooh, I, nice. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Um, where'd I go? Oh man, I did a bull. But yeah, soon he arrives. Heaven is like worthing, smothered in tinsel. He says, which I'm going to assume is a sick burn. Um, <sighs> and speaking of burns, a bunch of minor gods attack Bix. Meh. It's the god of toothaches, the god of leaning against hot radiators, and the god of gullibility. Yeah, I yeah, know. Just feels like a seven dwarves thing. They all want Bix's ode to do so they can go be- go to Earth and score with some chicks. Uh, <laughs> Gullibility almost gets Bix to hand it over, but then the god of saying the wrong thing shows up and ruins it all. Yeah, let me tell you, it's like, uh, girls are so, like, enemy, <laughs> and you got shock. It really does Everyone feel like, like the, the person in, in a television show that is animated, if that feels <laughs> at all. Yeah. There's always one. There's always one girl crazy character on TV shows. We all on a, on a cartoon shows, especially. We know this. Um, but so anyway, um, Bix thrashes these gods, and but then offers a share of the water if they can point him toward the god of love. The little gods agree and show him the way. But then shadows appear on the horizon. It's God's secret police, the saints. <laughs> they want that god water. I I love that. Um... As they come in, they have effectively what are googly eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing that I like less is Halo, Halo, Halo. It's the next time. Yeah, that's what's come next time. And that's after Bix himself gets caught in a Halo lasso. Tora, Tora, Tora. Hey, exactly. Movie yeah. about Japanese zero bombers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're attacking the Pearly Gates Harbor, buddy. Oh, my God. Terrible. I'm drop. I, you know, and, hold on. Let me mic drop something. No, no, no. Yeah. And on that terrible joke, Fox, Sir. we've reached the end of Prague's two of Prague seven thirty six to seven thirty nine. We have. 
together. And that's why I have one question for you. Yeah, listen, we're a team, buddy. Oof. And that's why I need to know for you to tell me <clears throat> this, which is what we were top and bottom thrills for this time. So it it is uh, real easy for my bottom. Uh, I am going Rogue Trooper. <laughs> I I really am not entirely into a MacGuffin item or multiple uh, for each frog, personally. Um, yeah. I would like to see Shades and him do more things together. I, I mean, we had this joke, right? Like, making stuff up as you go along really feels like the story right now. And I don't yeah. know where it's going, particularly. I mean, other I mean, than I stop pretty... the guys who are making uh, gas gills, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear um, just that, you know, he's, uh, uh, Friday is going to get there and, you know, he's trapped now, but he's got some sort of mysterious device that'll let him get free at the start of next episode. And then he'll just easily defeat these guys with his gadgets, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I, I sort of mean when I say I don't know where it's going, I, I mean, so you're right. I just don't know what the point is. How's that? Like it, it yeah, feels I mean, like there's like it is fun enough that that there is there is some explosions and things happening. It was the thing this month that I was like, oh, some stuff blows up and Rogue's fine, right? Like I've watched mm-hmm. uh, uh, GI Joes, right? Things will end up fine for Rogue. Yeah. Some other people won't be so fine. However, with things like say Killing Time or Bix Barton. Uh, or God Christ below zero. I have a hard time choosing my top. Um, I will say this much in terms of of Bix is that uh, like I don't have enough context to understand some of the jokes, which mm-hmm. does not put it. There's a lot of very like 1991 England jokes going on in this exactly. in this comic for it, sure. Exactly. So it it is not necessarily lower. It is my uh unknowedness. However, I like one of us has to kind of I I all right, I'm going to say killing time, not just for all for right. for art, but for writing and and strangeness yeah. and I like this building of tension uh that's going on where Jack the Ripper is almost literally not the worst character that we're going up against. <laughs> um yeah. It it almost feels like it's the farce about the whole thing. Also, there's a train that goes through time, Conrad. Definitely. So, like, like it's hard for me not to choose Below Zero because it is the dumb thing that I love the most. And it's so simple. You're right. It, it is simple as something that you mentioned. But I think that in that simplicity mm-hmm. is richness in terms of just... I, like sometimes I don't want to read something that's yeah. six pages long that is overly complicated. Yeah, I mean when I like I'm not down like I, oh that I, sorry I that wasn't me trying that, to trying to throw shade or yeah. anything. I think I, I I think we're we're in the same point. I think where we both really like Killing Time, but I don't think I'd like a comic like in like a two, an, an issue of 2000 AD that was all killing time and killing time like stories basically I know I'd go insane um, like I need I need some simple like just sort of regular stuff in that like some just some like j- just like some bread something that's or something not like junker, that along but actually, with the fancy so the, the not fancy moldy bread deal, like you know? junker but like actual bread like below zero <laughs> yeah well, I think that's sort of like here's just kind of a fun generic story. As much as that sounds simple and stuff, 
I think yeah. it's also um, easier said than done. You know, because well, I feel like can you make a good seen... simple story? No answer, probably most of the time. Well, yeah, well, because I think we've had a really some really great experiences with John Brosnan doing this. Oh yeah, and far less good experience with very similar attempts at this kind of thing, like uh, Dry Run, for instance, uh, yeah. or like Junker, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think you're right. Um, and and I'll, I'll like and it's part of the reason like I I I want to give it to below zero for so many reasons, but I I just can't not give it to Killing Time because it nails it. Yeah. In narrative and art and color and it just in all walks. Oh, sorry. Uh, in all oh. walks of what it's doing. Um, I like I I read the entirety of it. And it was a, a about what like five six pages each time. Oh yeah, like, yeah. No, I was I was you know actually me worried. Words. That I don't like them. Yeah, that its wordiness would be a turnoff for you. So it I'm is glad not. That you're able to get through it. It is a very strong turn on for me. It it is like characterizing people that literally don't matter. Um, and I think that's part of the the joke. I think the 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 characters that don't matter are 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 our main character. <laughs> <laughs> because they're the ones making things worse as far as I can tell. Right. So I well, and also don't make a don't make a time train. And also I'm just not sure if this guy is Jack the Ripper. <laughs> oh, he's listen, buddy. There's one thing I can tell you about next week's um, Indigo Prime. It's that Dr. Culver is goddamn Jack the Ripper. <laughs> uh well, okay. We did kind of yeah, you're right. So you know what, Conrad, I've talked quite a bit about uh, all of these things. I I I I want to know <sighs> what were your top and bottom thrills. I think I'm gonna have to. Uh, we're gonna have to have a solidarity time this this oh, time, buddy, that. because Friday's definitely in my bottom, and Indigo Prime has got to be in my top. I love the story. Um, when the first time I read it, I didn't read it very closely, which is to my detriment for sure. So I got to the later parts was very confused. This time, I'm really taking the time to focus on what's being written to really kind of figure out all the twists and turns here. Um, and man, this is just a really great story. The art's amazing. The writing's amazing. How mm. the story is progressing is really interesting. And, you know, just these, yeah, again... I think what 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 you said is really great. This that these nineteen these Victorians find themselves in a new land. So their first thing they do is to start killing people and stuff like that. I, it's I love solid. a blunder or blunderbuss through the chest of someone, and it's just. Yeah. Uh, but then it's it's marginally also, mentioned, like hey, maybe don't, but no one stops it. But I think also this story really marks a. Um, an evolution in 2000 AD almost, if that's not too heady, but just no. like the extremes in like blood and gore we're seeing yes. in this story. And like just the, Thank the, you. The, 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 the kind of combo of sex and violence that we've seen in the course of my, the story as well. My God, um, they show a man in half in two parts. Yeah. And then when you combine that with the kind of like psychedelic or surrealness mm. aspects of the travel through time of that of that section with the, with the seance and stuff like that, it really feels like this is a story that is setting um, some boundaries for what we can have in this comic going forward, I think. Like here is this really cr singular, crazy ass, awesome story. And so 
you know, if you're doing something that's extreme or weird in the, in, in the comic going forward, you can kind of point to Indigo Prime and said, but they did it. And or it's published. When something fit. Yeah. And when so, or when something fails, you can be like, hey, like, you know, these guys managed to pull off this kind of weirdness. Mm. So if you can't handle it, then it's your artistic failing, not some sort of limit of the medium. That, I guess. that is intriguing to me because I, I – I love that as a concept because I think it's it's something that I brought up a bit where it was just like there was so much more gore in this like like you watch uh, or, yeah. or rather read something like Below Zero like they shot people and like there's no bullet wounds or blood like they just yeah, fall over. No. Yeah, this one along with I think Song of the Surfer actually are feel like these two stories that are very much like all right, like we're trying to be a little bit more grown up. So, you know, it's 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 like um I don't know. If you've ever watched a like when you, when you watch a movie channel like HBO or something mm. and you kind of get to the point in the day where it's time for more adult where the R where the R-rated movies come on <laughs> and so there's just a little bit of I difference wouldn't know anything about between that. what they can and can't show what they can and can't do stuff No like exactly that. I well and that's the thing is that I I think that it is it it is getting there it is the the we can show a blood splatter effect on a on a wall and understand that uh, like even someone who is young kind of knows the difference that blood splatter not fun blood splatter effective right like it's it it, it is it is art and it is story and it feels very very good i was shocked i'm a 35 year old man conrad and a man got ripped in half in this comic book and i was like wait you showed me his right oh god you showed me also his butt part like where the rest yeah, of definitely. the guts were, I was grossed out. And it's a comic. I watch shit on Netflix, man. People get ripped apart all the time, and I'm like, no, no problem. This one, I was like, oh god, it's got oh. oomph to it for sure. So yeah, man, I love cool. that we got solidarity. This was really, this was a a an interesting interesting month. Very long. Yeah. No, yeah, a lot of lot of swings and roundabouts in this one. You know, um, had a very episodic dreads, and we're sort of jumping from Indigo Prime to Big Spartan to Below Zero. You know, with uh, Friday and Dadamoto in there as well. It's a really yeah. interesting period of the comic. I think this a lot time. of a this, lot of a lot of what, meat what, and potatoes, as it were. Right? Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm excited though. I think this is going to be a fun time. It's you know, like. Uh, this feels like a real – this feels like a, like we're sailing along and there's a little bit of bumpiness and things are good. And then I know, oh, God, we're just – it's about to start, Fox. Oh, I'm no, no, no. It. Don't say that. This was this was a – like I knew exactly what I didn't like and what I liked a lot was most of the other stuff. Don't say anything bad. Hmm. Well, let's finish up here, buddy, because <laughs> I hope everybody else enjoyed the show. We had a great time. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2000 AD forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at spacespinner2k. Everything else, look up spacespinner2000. We should be there. This show is brought to you by Steve Green, Zane Kip, Zane Kip Miller, and your friends, the 2080 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support this show, we'd appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash That's our podcast network. There you can support the show and receive a ton of excellent rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2000 AD in the Meg, and even monthly Q&As with the two of us. And then come back next time, Fox.
We'll finish up the current stories of Bix Barton and Rogue Trooper. Okay. Judge Dredd will will, will sample some damn fine coffee. We'll, <laughs> and then we'll go a uh, weird, weirder, weirdest, as we'll have Below Zero, the debuting eco-sci-fi tale dead meat, and some Indigo Prime chapters that will mess with your brain. That's some damn fine coffee. Exactly. Until then, I'm Conrad East Fox. Our Space Spinner 2000. Slutty Buck Ring! Ring!